This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. You help sales and marketing within an organization. What do you say is the ideal relationship between sales and marketing and then marketing to the rest of the organization? There has to be very strong alignment between marketing and sales about who we're gonna talk to. Who do we help the most? How do we help them? When do we wanna help them? And how do they wanna go about the process of changing and, and adopting whatever it is we're gonna offer them? So, so all these parts, these kind of agreements back and forth is what aligns the two departments. Again, the ones that are aligned the most are most efficient. And, and then you have a chance to be more effective because you're being efficient. I believe marketing is often underrepresented in most organizations at the strategic levels. And it's a big mistake because of all the things we've been talking about. Marketing should understand that customer and their needs and their world better than anybody. Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases without spending more than 10 minutes a day. Would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV, where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight, and my mission certainly doesn't end here. Ever since I was a little boy, it's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. And throughout my life, I came across several mentors who pushed me toward my passion for writing books and helping others to do the same. There is no greater joy than to be working with aspiring authors and to help them establish true credibility within their industry by writing and publishing their first book, which I'm proud to say have all gone on to become bestsellers. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first-time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Todd Hockenberry. You help B2B leaders drive growth, align with buyers, build marketing and sales strategies, as well as develop the mindset to grow. Todd, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Roger. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I know you're in Orlando. We're in the midst of this epidemic, this chaos. Uh, we talked a little bit off camera. would love to get your, your quick thoughts about what's happening right now in Orlando because it is you know, one of the largest um, areas in the country for tourism. What's happening there now? 
Yeah, it's kind of the unthinkable has happened a little bit. You know, you shut down Disney World and Universal. Those are not normal things. And um, a huge percentage of the workforce down here is uh, is involved with the hospitality industry, travel. And um, I believe last year, 68 million people visited Orlando. So imagine when, when that's turned off, what happens. And, um, you know, so it has a very large ripple effect. I just found out today that my, my neighbor was let go. He worked for a hotel. And um, so it's, it's happening fairly quickly. I think a lot of those businesses work on kind of narrow margins, a lot of smaller businesses that the, the, um, the restaurants in particular are, and bars are getting hit pretty hard. So uh, we expect a long slog here in Orlando to get, get back out of it. But um, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for me. It's, it's a question of, of, okay, how do, how do I help those people? Right. How can I, how can I contribute? How can I be part of groups that are positioned to help people um, that may be, um, you know, missing a paycheck is, is devastating. So um, I think that's where our mindset is now. And again, we just hope this kind of turns around fairly quickly and we can start to move back to normal because uh, we know that when, when, um, when it does, people come back and, and, uh, and they'll want to go on vacations and go have fun. And um, so it's just, it's just an interesting time. It's, it's, you know, we aren't as, as completely shut down here as, as a lot of other cities. We haven't had a ton of cases here yet. We have had some locally where I live, but um, yeah, it's coming. It's going to, you know, it's even probably going to lock down a little bit more if, if I had to guess, but it's, um, it's definitely an interesting time we live in, Roger. It certainly is. And I'm, I'm here in New York where it is, um, you know, they, they put a curfew in effect last night, you know, between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Cannot be out and about. Uh, all bars and restaurants are closed. Uh, virtually every business uh, has gone remote. All the schools are closed. So, yes, we are also feeling it very heavily up here. Now, you work remote. Um, mm-hmm. And I know we um, you, you, you probably have tips for helping those who, you know, if remote work is new to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you could offer to people who uh, are, are just starting, you know, this week, getting uh, used to being remote, what tips would you have for them, Todd? We've, we've been remote for about 11 years. So, uh, and I've gone through that with kids from grade through grade school through high school. So uh, the, the things that have really worked for us are set a schedule. Um, don't live in your office. Um, don't wander in and out, go in and work at a time, take breaks, but have a schedule, stick to it and make sure your family and everybody else in the home knows that this is my work time and it's not play time or interrupt time. It's time to work. Um, and then there's another one I like to talk about. This is an old Zig Ziglar one. It's uh, eat the frog. Uh, that's schedule a couple of things. First thing in the day when you're freshest and ready to go, don't come in and check the newspapers. Don't read the bad news right now. Hopefully by the time this goes to, goes live, it'll be better news, but come in your office, be focused on the one or two things that are the toughest things you have to do and do them first, get them out of the way. And then the rest of the day, you don't have those things hovering over your head and hanging over you, get those things done. Then beyond that, I would have a top three or top five other things that need to be accomplished and, and work your plan. Stay focused. Don't, don't be tempted to multitask. That's just a matter of, we all know this. It's just doing multiple things poorly. So stick to your schedule, put it on your calendar, say this half an hour block is to do this task and then get it done. Uh, so be very, um, very disciplined about your, your planning and your scheduling. And then um, I also, I'm not a big fan of back-to-back calls, just stacking up calls after call after call. I like to have breaks in between. It's just me. Um, I'm a big fan of also removing distractions. I, I try to keep my desk clean. 
not a big fan of listening to music or having headphones on while I work. I like to try to stay focused. Uh, different opinions on this one. Uh, I try to, with the routine piece, the schedule, I, I, I would, especially if you're new to this, I would set, um, I'd get up and run your normal routine, get a shower, shave, put decent clothes on. You know, if you show up in pajamas at work or your sweats, it's, you got to transition, I think. So uh, act like you're at work um, and stay, stay away from the multitasking. That's the big one. It's so easy to be distracted at home. Kids do this or something happened outside or again, just it, it, you got to minimize the distraction and stay focused. So those are the big ones I would think. Great points, Todd. Thank you for sharing all those tips sure. and we will put that clip out quickly. So, so people that are going remote can benefit from it. So thank you. Thank you. Sure. Excellent. Let's transition into some of your work. Let's talk about what is inbound and why is it a thing? Yeah. Inbound was the idea that came about in the about 10 to 15 years ago where people recognized that no longer were outbound or interruptive marketing techniques anywhere near as effective. So your, your blast emails, your uh, ads, anything that was interruptive was no longer what people wanted. So inbound was really about creating content and now it's really moved towards creating communities and, and places where people can share information and, and, and self uh, connect and, and uh, essentially own the community and be part of it as opposed to you as a company imposing that on other people and saying this is how you have to act or this is what you have to do. Um, so inbounds really about uh, creating content and then communities and spaces for people to come in and and find you and then connect with other like-minded people. So it's it started out really with just content. So it was a lot of creating content from your website or blog posts, SEO, getting found, and then they would find you and then you would help them by sharing help. Um, eBooks or webinars or things like that. So again, we're all we're all pretty used to this. Um, the, the the downside of inbound, I started happening a few years ago, where I think people started to abuse it a little bit, where they would um they would get an email address from somebody say that that downloaded an eBook, and now they would just start hammering them with a bunch of emails, right? And everybody kind of knew that the the, the situation knew that was going to happen, right? So so that that kind of methodology started to lose its effectiveness. So inbounds moving towards, uh, towards more, again, building community, building fans around your business. Think about third party sites, reviews, ratings, where um, think about meetups where people get together to deal or talk about using your product or working with you. That's really what inbounds really becoming It's creating fans for your, co your company and your products, creating communities and allowing people to um, um, kind of be part of something and identify with you. Uh, we talk about being human is a big inbound thing. And um, if you think about it, if you have a list of 5,000 people and you create an email and you bombard them all with this email, is that's not very human, right? It, it maybe used to be, maybe there was help that was helpful, but today, and in the middle of this coronavirus mess, I see it all the time. I'm getting bombarded with emails from companies talking about the coronavirus and their activities and their actions. Very little of it is actually helpful or relevant to me. It's selfish. It's about them. So inbound is about saying what we're in a time now where there's going to be this, this, this cascade of content because everybody's working from home and people can't do face-to-face -face meetings. So there's going to be bomb, people are going to be bombarded and it's, it's already bad. It's going to get worse. So 
how can you be more human and kind of think about your customer and put yourself in their shoes? This is the core of inbound. It's it, the idea is about putting yourself in your customer's shoes and really understanding their situation and then creating content products, experiences that they want, not what you want, what they want. And this sounds simple. Many of you might say, well, that sounds like just being customer centered or customer focused. The reality is if you ask your customers, the, the statistics are clear on all the surveys I've seen something less than 20% of customers, sometimes far less than 20% think the people they buy from or companies they buy from are actually customer centered. They're not. Think about your experience up and down the line, right? Think about your car dealer. I doubt if there's very few car dealers out there. Anybody would say they're really customer centered, right? Or, or uh, again, on and on your bank, is your bank really thinking about you? Um, what we expect today are companies like Amazon, right? Where they are customer centered. They kind of create an experience around us. And, um, and we like actually engaging and buying from them. So, so inbounds really becoming about moving from less of a marketing thing to being more of a mindset thing for an entire business. It's how you think about your whole company and everything that you do. So is your service department thinking about your customers and being customer centered and making the shipping and opening the box and the package very customer oriented and a nice experience and very easy for them to use? Or, or are you just throwing things in a box, pack it up and ship it? Uh, again, it's the little things now. It's all those things, all the touch points matter. And inbound companies recognize that it, the, the same old things don't work anymore. And you better be helping me. And you better be being human. And you better be thinking about me. Because right now, people, that's all people want. Excellent. And Todd, what about beliefs? What, do, what beliefs do inbound people hold in, you know, in particular? Yeah, the, the, your, your actions stem from your beliefs, right? Your beliefs are always the driver of your actions, right? If you believe that by helping and by being customer focused and putting the customer first, that you'll ultimately grow your business because you'll take care of people and they'll share that story. They'll rate you, review you. They'll tell others. They will be your best salespeople. If you really believe that, then you'll act that way. But if you believe they're just a numbers game and you can bombard people with bad messages and you can just um, say, well, listen, I've got callers. I've got a room full of people that have to do smiling and dialing and they're going to get on the phone and call everybody. And, you know, we're going to get a 1% return rate, but you know, we get 1%. If you think that's helpful and that's what people want today, you're going to lose. Right? So, so the tactics you use, how you approach your marketplace, the strategies you engage, how you sell, how you market is totally tied up in your beliefs. And if you believe it's, I got to hit my quarterly number, I got to hit this, I got to hit this activity level, I got to make these calls or send this email or send this many emails without the context of, is this helpful? Is this human? Do, they, do people really want this? And is it really from their perspective or is it just me talking about my products? Then that's why beliefs are so critical. And one of my, one of my, uh, markers for clients is when people reach out to me is I go to look at their website. Now we've all had 20 years to figure out how to build a stupid website, right? It's nothing new. We all have them. This is not new stuff. I remember back in the day when I started in, I think the first website I ever did was 2000. That was before that, but the first one I ever did for a company I was running was in around 2000. And um, so this is not new guys, but yet I still go on people's websites and what do I see? What are the, what do people, what's the focus of their website? It's all look at me, look at me. It's all, all self-absorbed. It's here's my products, here's our markets. Look at this, look how great we are. We're best in class this, we're world-class that, we're quality this, it's about them. And, and that is the belief. The belief is 
this website is about me. It's about me telling my story. It's not. It's the opposite. It's about your website needs to be about your customers and their story and how you help them and you come alongside them and help them solve problems and, and go on their journey to reach their strategic outcomes. It's such a simple thing, but I would say no more than 10% of websites, if that I, I look at, are anywhere near that kind of a standard. And it's such a basic thing, but yet so many companies get it wrong. It's like, just, it's still look at me, look at me, my product, my service, buy it, as opposed to you know, here's who you are and what you're doing. We understand you and here's how we help you be more of you and more, more what you want to be and what you want to do. No, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because the same thing applies, I believe, to LinkedIn profiles, right? Oh, big time. <laughs> Seeing this now and, and people need to change them so it's more about the customer. It's all about the customer, what, mm -hmm. not, not about yourself. So uh, appreciate you, you bringing that up. The, the basic thing, I, the, the one belief that to me right now is Trump's all is, what do you think selling is, right? If you think selling is helping, then I think you're going to be okay. But if you think selling is a numbers game, um, you know, banging on people's doors, interrupting, um, I'm just going to make my numbers. I'm going to call everybody just to call them without anything, anything to really help them with. If it's about that, then you're going to lose. Now, where would the leaders of a company or executives, how do they play into this? What role do they play uh, when it comes to inbound? Roger, that's a great question. We, we all know that our businesses and much in life rises and falls on leadership. Uh, it's, just a, it's just who we are and it's just the way organizations run. And if the people at the top say, make your numbers, make those calls. You got to hit the numbers. You got to hit the numbers. You got to hit the numbers. But don't give them any understanding of who the customer is, how they can help them, and the positioning. If the whole company is organized around outbound, selling, interrupting, and, and not focused on customers or, or caring about customers and their day-to-day their -day journey and who they want to be and how they want to identify with companies and not just products. So this is where leaders can create the mindset. They can create the mission for the company that gets everybody directed the same way. Because if you don't have a mission that really is focused on your customers, and mission comes from leaders, it does not come from bottom up. And what happens is everybody's going different directions, right? Everybody's going here, there, they're going their own way. Politics now runs the show or bureaucracy or processes that have nothing to do with your customer. So if you have a hundred percent of your time as a company, how much of that time's focused on those internal things? Again, bureaucracy, processes, meetings, um, politics, that kind of stuff. Whatever percentage of the time of your people is just being taken away from taking care of customers. And that's leadership. And leadership has to make sure they understand what are the right metrics, what do they, they have to measure and understand um, what actually matters to customers and, and hold people accountable to that. One I run into all the time is for salespeople or inside sales folks, they have like a call, they got to make X amount of calls or outreaches. You, you have to make 120 outreaches today or 40 calls this week or whatever it is. And they, it's just this activity number. So what do what salespeople do? They do the work, right? They do the activity. But, but what if they're not reaching out in a meaningful way? What if, what if the target audience is, it's not a good outreach? What if the, the connection isn't, there's no value there for the customer or the prospect? So they're, they're checking the box, but they're not actually helping anybody, not making any, any ground up. So now I'm not saying there's not a lot of activity required from salespeople or marketing people to do the job. There is, but it's got to be the right activity. 
And that's, that's, that's a big fundamental issue I see in a lot of companies. They want to fill up their sales pipeline. Look at our great pipeline. We got millions of dollars in the funnels here. And it's like, look, that's, that's fantasy, right? And, and you see salespeople just punting orders or, or things from one month to the next and it never closes, right? It's not, it wasn't real, right? Salespeople will, will unfortunately, all humans, not just salespeople, we're going to do, we're going to do what we think we have to do to meet expectations. But if leaders have the mindset of, I'm going to set a, create a culture and make sure we set expectations so that our employees top to bottom, every employee is going to be focused on the customer and do their part to create an amazing customer experience. Those companies are the ones that are going to win. And, and leaders, I know you got to perform. I know you got to hit up. You got to, you know, if you're public, you got to make wall street happy. If you're private, you, you want to grow, there's pressures, but you know what? The companies that can culturally accept that I've got to create this, this mindset, first and then create a culture around it and then deliver it to customers are going to be the ones that win. Uh, not the ones that are more just, just do the numbers, do the work, do what I tell you to do kind of thing. Wow. Todd, great points. And I could totally relate, you know, my days in corporate America that I spent, um, you know, watching everything you're talking about unfold, you know, that it's, it's, it's such the reality. And I think, you know, you mentioned the word value in there when you, when you were just talking on that last point. And that leads me to my next question is, you know, for the past year, since I've been on this new journey of my own, uh, driving value, being of service. Um, I hired Dave Meltzer as my coach last year to really help me break through some things. And the, the, the one thing he hammered home to me was be of service first to people and don't be afraid to ask people for help when you need it. So those are two things that I, you know, really try to develop over the last year. But it kind of leads to my next question is, um, where does helping people or being of value or being of service play into all this from an inbound sort of organization? Yeah, well, first of all, you have to know who you help, right? It's kind of a simple thing, right? Who, who needs your help the most, right? Who has the problem that you solve the best? And this is the classic thing, the marketing mistake where people will say, well, we can sell, there's this huge market. Everybody that has, I don't know, a, a, a factory, can buy my product, this product. Well, well, you know what? Maybe that's right. And the thinking is, well, if I get a little bit of this big thing, I'll be doing great. The reality is you'll never get that little bit because you're not relevant to them. So if you're selling to a fa somebody that has a factory, you say, okay, I got all factories. Now, how do I narrow that down? So it's all factories in North America that have less than 250 employees that don't have a factory automation system online and that ship multiple orders a day, right? I'm narrowing it down. The more I narrow that down, the more I can focus what I do on, on the specific person I'm going to talk to and make sure that I'm actually solving their problem. People don't have time to figure it out and, and, and go through all the permutations of what you think you can do and how great your thing is. You have to make it very, very simple for them. My wife always tells me, she says, uh, I have to put the dots close together for you, don't I? And that's what we have to do. We have to put the dots close together for people. And you only do that if you know exactly who your target audience is, how you help them, why it's important, when it's important, how they go through the process of changing internally to get this done. And, that they, and I can tell you right now, the only people that are going to be buying things right now are um, on a B2B side, let's, let's go with that, is going to be strategic projects that help keep them in business, that help keep their customers whole and help them even maybe get customers and that people can create a very short 
time to ROI story. Do this and you're going to see return quickly. Right in the, in the time we're talking right now, and I would say probably for the next three to six months, that those are the projects that are going to get sold. Right? If you can't tell a very specific story about how you go from zero to time to value quickly and why it impacts their business and helps keep them running and keep them in business and help them get new customers, you're, they're not going to even get, you're not even going to talk to people. Right. So you got to focus, you got to know your audience, know your customer, your persona is a word we oftentimes use and how, why they buy, how they buy and have a theory of change. You have to have a theory and, and you have to really thought it through. Why would people change? So it, it leads into the kind of questions you ask and, and how you approach people, how you go through the process. It's all about them from their perspective. And you got to know, know that niche. The, the, my co-author on the book, Inbound Organization, Dan Tyre, always says the riches are in the niches. And you've got to narrow it down and focus. And, and now you can serve and help. If you don't, you just have to spray and pray. That's all you got, right? You can just, just spray it out to the big market and hope a few of them land. And, and, but that's not an effective strategy. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for that. Now, you help sales and marketing within an organization. A lot of people lump those two together, but as we know, they're two very different things. Uh, what, what do you say is the ideal relationship between sales and marketing? And then on the back half of that, marketing to the rest of the organization. Good question. The, we help a lot of companies achieve sales and marketing alignment. And the, the usual story is, this is almost cliche, but I'm going to use it, is, well, marketing sends over leads and sales say they suck. And, and the sales guys say, we want these leads. And the marketing guys say, no, you don't, right? There's this disconnect. So number one, just back to the last question, there has to be very strong alignment between marketing and sales about who we're going to talk to. Who do we help the most? How do we help them? When do we want to help them? And how do they want to go about the process of changing and, and adopting whatever it is we're going to offer them? So marketing has to start that process out in the right way. Marketing does have to bring better leads and, and, and educate a marketplace and educate the, the target audience and reach them and get the, get the story started or get the process started. Part of that's branding and awareness. And, and, and so when marketing is creating helpful content that people are attracted to, that's inbound, then they can start the sales process a lot easier because it starts from a place where you're helpful. Now, there's a principle in life. It's called reciprocity. Uh, Robert Cialdini, I think his name was, had a book. He wrote about this. Really interesting. People want to help people that help them. We want to reciprocate, right? Your neighbor brings you a, a pie. Does anybody do that anymore, Roger? Bring you a pie. Uh, uh, we, we actually had a neighbor bring cookies recently. Okay, cookies. They bring you cookies. What do you want to do, Roger? Reciprocate. Of course. You're going to bring a bottle of wine over and yeah. next, you know, you're going to do something, right? Nice. That's just human. So that, that's what we want to do. And marketing should be thinking that way. How can we help people? How can we give away free information? How can we start the process off in a way that's helpful? Because what oftentimes the prospects will want to give in return is their attention, which is their most precious asset, their time. So if, they, if you can get them to give you a little bit of time, now you can advance the story a little bit more. So it's just, that's why the helpful piece is, is so important. And, and marketing's role should be not just to fill the funnel with, names and bodies and emails, but the people that are actually in that Great niche. Point. Yes. So that's, that's number one. Now market sales job is to understand how they got there and take it the next step. Sales is the one-on-one -on -one piece. Marketing's one to many sales is one-to-one, -one, but they overlap because you're still talking about one, one person. 
right? So it's about that human being and about making sure their experience is seamless from beginning to end. You don't want marketing to say one thing and sales to say another. And, and you've got to have a handoff that makes sense. When do you hand off a lead from marketing to sales? There has to be agreement there. There has to be agreement on what sales is going to do once they hand it off. There has to be agreement on the number of leads marketing is going to provide to sales. So, so all these parts, these kind of agreements back and forth is what aligns the two departments. And um, again, the ones that are aligned the most are most efficient. And, and then you have a chance to be more effective because you're being efficient. You're driving more qualified leads in a shorter period of time. Now, you asked a really good question. One of my favorites is, is thinking about marketing and how it relates to the rest of the organization. I believe marketing is often underrepresented in most organizations at the strategic levels. And it's a big mistake because of all the things we've been talking about. Marketing should understand that customer and their needs and their world better than anybody. And, they, and if, they have, if they use their digital tools, they have lots of data. If they're out in the field talking to customers, they understand and they have a story to tell. They have to make sure everybody in that company knows the story of that customer. And I, the, the, the downside I see in a lot of technically dri technology-driven companies is you've got leaders that may have come up through the technology, they're engineers, designers, and they think product, they think material, they think software, they think the tool. And, and it's the marketing should be thinking how it's used, how does, how does it impact them? So marketing should have a seat at that table. And if you're a big company, let's, I, I hope there's more and more marketing people start running these big organizations. I think we'd be better off, they would perform better. Um, small organizations, that middle-sized middle organizations that may not have a full, fully formed marketing department. I see a lot of companies that are just marketing is kind of like, well, you run the website, oh, you do the trade show, okay, you get the newsletter out. And they're not really viewed as strategic. It's just kind of a functional department. You need to have people that are thinking strategically on the marketing side so that they can really guide everybody and, and what they should do, right? Otherwise, you're, you're kind of back inside your own head, right? If you don't know where you're going with your customers, you fight the battles internally, you, you focus on the internal stuff. So I think marketing has a really big part to play. And um, I think really smart companies are going to hire really smart marketers. Oh, that's great. I, you know, as you're talking about this, I, you know, I, I understand that marketing is really important for any organization, but I didn't realize where you would go with the emphasis. And it sounds like really that's, that's everything um, that, that marketing should be leading an organization. And uh, especially in tech companies, because I, again, I've been part of those. I've, I've, I've been involved from the inside and see how they are run from, from the engineers. And it, and it makes it really challenging sometimes. Roger, did you ever see uh, engineering leaders create features and part, things in, in the product that customers really didn't want or care about? Absolutely. That never happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's right. So what about uh, the extended part of the organization? Um, legal, finance, where do all these different departments fit into this inbound method? Yeah, it was interesting. In our book, Inbound Organization, I think we're probably the first people to really tackle this. I don't, I've never heard anybody else tackle this. That you use the word inbound, but let's, you can use marketing as well, um, is taking it to that level and looking at every single department of the organization and how they impact the customer. And I've asked people, I said, look, name somebody in a company that doesn't impact a customer. And I've had people say like, oh, well, the receptionist. It's like, really? Nobody calls? Nobody walks right. in the door? Yeah. Like, I'm like, the, the, the maintenance people. Okay, really? Nobody visits? You know, people walk in the front door. That first impression doesn't matter. Of course it does. 
even for, and how about your employees, right? How about you're creating an environment where they can do their best work? Where do you, where I can't tell you how many people, I, places I walk into, it's disheveled it's stuff everywhere. Nobody's, if you can tell the leadership is not, doesn't care about creating a really healthy environment for their employees. You can just tell by looking, right? You don't even have to ask them. So all of it matters. And so therefore everybody in the company has a role to play. Legal is an interesting one. Um, one of my pet peeves is the old kind of terms and conditions checkbox, right? I mean, how much we just go scroll, 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 check, gone. Well, you know what? I, did I just give them away my kids? I don't know. What did I do? I don't know. I, I didn't read it. That's a horrible experience. I've seen a few people start to really narrow that down and try to make those more human and more readable and, and really make pull out the key points and say, look, here's what we're really telling you in, in readable language, not lawyer speak. Um, think about your contracts or think about your purchase orders or your invoices, right? Are those things easy? Are you making, making it easy for people to pay you? It's hard to believe sometimes people make it hard to pay you, which is unbelievable today. You're um, saying cut through all that legal mumble jumbo and really clarify it, put it in normal words so people could understand and they'll feel better once they understand, feel better about paying, feel better about engaging and, and probably giving you more business. Yeah. Just, how about this for a scenario? You, um, you, you have a checkout and there's, or, or you have an online purchase, or even if it's a physical contract. And again, I've seen terms and conditions that are 20 pages long. So nobody reads that. Maybe the lawyer does. I don't read it. Um, so what if you narrowed it down to a five bullet point, one page summary and said, here's really what we're talking about. Here's the key things. And just in layman's language, here's what we're saying. We're going to protect your data. We're not going to sell it. Um, you are going to be responsible for this. You're going to be responsible for that. If you want to dig in, then you please dig into the details. But this is surfacing the key issues, right? I mean, how much that would be like, whoa, oh, nobody that. ever does that. Right. So uh, that's what I'm talking about, really. Just rethinking all of those processes and putting yourself in your customer's shoes and saying, you know, is this, do I like doing this or do I just tolerate it, right? We don't want customers just to tolerate it. Because guess what? Right now, especially too in the middle of this stuff, your competition is all over your, your customers. People can find, and they're at home now, right? People aren't going out as much. So they're, they got plenty of time to surf the internet and find 20 competitors for you. Yeah, no doubt. And speaking of that, what about, how has the buyer's experience changed with all this? Well, I mentioned Amazon before. It's people say the Amazon effect where, um, and it's not just Amazon, it's the app driven culture. And, you know, you can get food delivered to your door at a heartbeat, right? You can get groceries delivered. I mean, I live in Orlando. We've got Amazon warehouses here. I get things in two hours. Like I can, and it just shows up on my door. And uh, it's funny. I'll tell you a toilet paper story, which is relevant right now because you can't get it. But um, my wife was buying toilet paper from Amazon. So they would ship these big boxes and we'd have this giant thing of toilet paper. I was like, honey, this can't be, this can't be cheaper. There's no way they can afford to ship. Let's just go to Walmart and buy toilet paper. Nope. She's like, I, she's like, I do. She's like a maven at shopping, right? She's doing the detail. It's cheaper to have Amazon ship it here. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Um, but that's the world we live in, right? We want it now. Information has to be readily available. It has to be mobile optimized. It has to be digital. It has to, we love videos um, you know, it, it's the experience is changing. If, if, if you want me to sit on the phone, wait on hold, I mean, I, I'm not waiting on hold for anybody today. Nobody ever. I mean, I won't do it. You tell me I'm on hold, I'm gone. Um, at, at the very least say, get a callback service and say, put your number in here. We'll put you in the queue and we'll call you back. At least show me a little respect, right? And if your service people are handing me off to seven people and asking me the same information every time, 
to get somebody this is leadership I'll go back to mindset how many leaders are putting themselves through their own customer service process put yourself put yourself through the process and say do I like that I was with a, I, 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 I consult with a very large um, uh, publication company that's publisher and um, I was sitting with the CEO and I and we were talking about their their sales process and they had BDRs kind of the classic BDR role make a bunch of phone calls schedule meeting for the account executives I said to him I said well do you like that do you like that process do you, do you like it when you have to talk to a BDA or a BDR or whatever they are and then then you talk to the person do you really like that he's like no I hate that I'm like well then why are you doing that to your customers like that's that's what you have to do. Put yourself in their shoes and see if, don't just do these things, think about it. Right. And, um, and that's where, uh, that's where we're going. And that's the, that's the inbound idea that we're all moving that way as consumers and heaven forbid my kids have to buy from you when they're 25 or 30 and they're forget it. Like it's going to have to be on YouTube and it's going to be digital and it, you know, it's going to be chat. And they're never going to talk to you. Right. They're, they're just different. God, awesome. Awesome stuff. This is just really valuable information, no matter what business you're in, which it could be applied. So thank you so much uh, for the time. We just have a few more questions. First, um, culture. How important is culture? You, you touched on it a few times, but specifically, how important is it to get the culture right? Well, you have a culture, whether you've it's intentionally created or not, you have one. So do you have a culture that builds your people up so that they can take care of their customers? Or do you have one that's focused on making you good as a leader? That's a tough one right there. A lot of companies' cultures are ego-driven by the CEO or the leaders. And those are toxic, right? Believe me, nobody wants to, nobody's going to bed at night thinking how they can make you look good as a CEO or an owner of a business. So, so you need to create a culture that values your employees so that they can do their best work. And we were writing the book, I interviewed a lot of people. And uh, one of the questions I asked them was, um, what's more important, your customers or your employees? And I got answers on both sides of those. Uh, there's, there's a classic um, Richard Branson quote talks about, you can take care of your employees first and they can take care of customers. But, but my favorite answer was a guy said, uh, I asked him that question. He said, well, do you love your mother or do you love your wife? And uh, I love that because I was like, that's exactly right. It's both. It's, it's both. Yes. And, and you, they're different, but they're both. You have to take care of your, your employees so they can take care of customers. There's no such thing as an unhealthy culture that produces happy, healthy customers. That's impossible. It doesn't happen. So your cultures, you have some culture. What's it focused on? What's it there for? How does it help them or take away from your ability of your people to deliver for your customers? And cultures, again, it's beliefs. It's your habits. It's, um, it, we talk about it being an operating system. It's like how you run the business, how you, how you recruit, how you compensate, how you have meetings, how you uh, motivate people, right? It, do people have a career path, right? It's all of this stuff. And, and culture culture is usually organic. It's not usually defined or documented in very many companies. They may talk about it, but there's not usually a big commitment to focusing on it. And I think it's worth the while, worth your time and investment to focus on culture, to understand it and, um, and nurture one that is, is, is healthy for your employees as well as then it'll be healthy for your customers. Excellent. Uh, you recently put up a post and you were saying, how can your company grow amidst economic uncertainty? What was the reason for that post and, you know, what were you hoping to get across? Well, I think we're in a time of economic uncertainty. So the, um, uh, I was, these ideas are the ones that I was trying to get across mostly what we're talking about today, just that there's, 
it's time to be human and focus on the other person, put yourself in their shoes. How can you alleviate some of their stress and their uncertainty? How can you help them keep customers? How can you help them solve problems that are mission critical? Um, I've got a lot of clients that are that deal with mission critical companies, right? Uh, government, hospitals, data centers, shipping and transportation right now, warehousing, if you're dealing with, you know, making sure the supply chain stay moving. If you connected to any of those things, right now is the time to double down on, on figuring out how you can help those companies stay in business. And part of that's taking care of your company, right? You got to take care of, of your people so that they can take care of other people. And um, what I hope is that the companies that recognize these things and start to adopt them in the midst of this uncertainty will, will stay that way and will just continue to operate that way. That's the goal. And uh, that's why I'm going to continue telling the story. And uh, it's a good one because the companies that have done it have done it are, are very successful. Awesome. And look, it's, you know, coming out of a situation like this, as, as bad as it is right now for us, there's going to be lots of deaths. We know that. But I think one of the lessons you just said is we could come out even stronger on the other side, be better as people, be better as companies, be better for our customers and our employees. I, I'm glad you said that because that's how I feel personally. And, um, you know, I'm building new habits with my family. I've got my kids at home. They're not distracted. I can do, you know, even little things like that. So I'm going to be happier. They're going to be happier. And, and just keep extending that to your business. How do you how do you do some house cleaning? How do you kind of think about your culture? And, and um, you know, there's, this is a big test. Uh, business owners are going to have, they're going to have a lot of, they're going to have opportunities to either take care of people or be selfish and, and, and not take care of them. So the people that take care of their employees, guess what? They're going to remember. And the people that took care of their employees, they're going to have a culture that's going to grow and attract other employees. This is really a good point to finish on. A very inbound thing is people are inbound in terms of the way they think about their jobs. They consume and pick their jobs based on other people's recommendations, referrals, the culture you have. I'm going to go find out and ask people. I can ask them virtually online how it is to work for you. What's it like to be there? Is it a good positive culture? This isn't just a one-to-one -one interview anymore where you have no idea and you figure that out once you get the job. No, they're going to figure this stuff out ahead of time. And the, one of the questions that's going to get asked is how did you treat people during the coronavirus mess. And if you didn't treat them well, you're going to have a hard time getting the best employees. Wow. Great point, Todd. Great point. Todd, if people like what they heard from you today, which I'm sure my audience is going to love it, how, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, LinkedIn's easy. Uh, Todd Hockenberry, uh, it's kind of how it sounds. And then my website's top-line-results.com. And uh, you can connect with me there. And um, I'd love to talk to you. I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to anybody that wants to talk and I'm giving them my advice right now. So uh, feel free to reach out. Excellent. Todd Hockenberry, welcome to the American Real family. It's been a pleasure getting to know you today and thank you for all of your wisdom and input. Stay safe and we will stay in touch. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or 
or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you